Yo Pots. Check out Meet Mitch and Leawood for award-winning barbecue, outstanding atmosphere, and your destination to watch all your favorite March Madness action. Tailgating for opening day? Place your order online and pick up on way to the game. Meet Mitch Barbecue, East 95th and Mission in Ranch Martin North Shopping Center. Gabe DeArmond on the Border Patrol Fast Break is brought to you by Emo's Pizza. Emo's Pizza, the square beyond compare. Check out either of their locations on Rainbow Boulevard in KCK or on 135th Street in Overland Park. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. If you think the show sounds unique today, well, Jake is gone, and Drake was called away on family business, and Shane has been brought in here to run the board for the first time in uh, two and a half years, and so... And I was also, like I told you, told not to move anything from 8 to 10, so that's why he had no music. I don't know. He didn't put music in We're there. We're supposed to have music. To follow instructions, man. He told me not to put anything in there because of Wichita. So we can't have any bump back music? Well, he put, put bump back music in everything else, but apparently okay. not this hour. Ooh. Or that segment, excuse me. Well, so you're, you're doing a great job, Shane. That. I'm trying. I just want to know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You want me to sing next time coming back? I just want us to settle on who our Kansas guest is. That's all. We're working okay, on You that. see my sheet. What's my sheet say? I have both sheets, and they oh. do say different things. Okay, so. there. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> this, but one says one, like I one you. you agreed on, but then I also have no, this no. other sheet. I am fully prepared to throw Jake under the bus. I'm doing it right now. And so, Nate, let's even contact him. But right now, I know we have uh, Gabe DeArmond from PowerMazoo.com. Gabe, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm offended that Nate did not either hum or sing theme music for me. Honestly. Say something. Do the Missouri. How about this? Missouri! Right. Was that, not good? Bad. Was that good? Not bad. I mean, I would still prefer the humming or the singing, but I'll take it. Did you know? I mean, were you shocked uh, when you saw the Missouri basketball team build a lead, blow the lead, and then fall apart down the stretch? Um, yes and no. No, because, like, that's pretty much every game. Yes, because I did not expect them to outplay Tennessee for, I don't know, 30 minutes or whatever it was. Um, but look, I think that game, and I always am careful to say that effort is the bare minimum that's expected when you're on a team, when you're getting a scholarship, when you're getting paid, whatever. Uh, trying hard is that, like, I expect that. But it's very easy for a team in Missouri's situation to not do that. And they clearly, you know, haven't quit on their coach, haven't given up on the season. That did not look like a team that was, you know, 0-12 in league play. Again, let's not go over the top praising it, but I, I think it's at least worth something uh, for a fan base that is looking for basically anything positive they can hold on to. Did you enjoy Dennis Gates' F-bomb in the post-game press conference? I did, actually. My right. basketball guy texted me and said, uh, Dennis just dropped an F-bomb. I was like, what? Uh, and, and then I watched the video, and it was so casual, right. which was the part I really liked about Like, it wasn't – it was clearly calculated. It wasn't this, I'm going on a Rick Pitino rant, and I'm just saying things. I can't even control what comes out of my mouth. It was like he went in there, and he said he made a conscious decision. I'm going to do this and say this. Um, and, it, look – Missouri fans all year have – it's funny because last year he got so much praise for being so calm and you never could tell if his team was up 20 or down 20 on the sidelines. And now I've had so many Missouri fans this year say, God, I just wish he'd get mad and show some emotion. You know, so it's, it's not about his demeanor. It's about obviously the results. But that was kind of the – and if 
you are smart, you understand that behind the scenes, Dennis certainly is not happy with this season. He is far more positive publicly and with us than I'm sure he is behind closed doors, in practice, day-to-day, all that. But that was the first kind of peak for Missouri fans to actually understand, oh, he feels some of the same things we feel watching this team. Yeah, the only time I really thought that was in the Alabama game when Aiden Shaw got pushed by the opposing coach and I kind of was hoping Dennis Gates would, you know... I, I did find it ironic this week, by the way, an Alabama player got suspended for a game for basically shoving another player, uh, uh, while Nate Oates earlier this year did not. Right. So I, I find that interesting. Uh, well, Alabama, easy team to root against. Uh, Mizzou plays at Arkansas. Uh, they had a crack at Arkansas and Columbia and didn't get uh, the win. Uh, what about, uh, what, what? what's the, the hopes that, they could get win number one against the Razorbacks. Yeah, that Arkansas game in Columbia was it was one of the worst of the year. I mean, they just they just didn't show up for that one. Uh, I don't know if if they play the game they played against Tennessee. Sure, they can go down to Arkansas and win. But the problem is this team hasn't done that against the good teams. They've played well enough to be close and lose, and against the bad teams, they've played poorly enough to be close and lose. So I, what I've been saying for about two months is they just play to the level just below their competition. So, yeah, I would expect that it's a close game with 15 minutes left in the second half, and then at some point Missouri goes through a five-minute stretch where they get outscored like 12-2, to two, and that's what ends up beating them. Gabe, won't you give me an update on the search for a new AD, please? Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, I'm not real sure where it stands. Part of it is, I like, I don't nobody's talked from Missouri. You know, when the AD leaves, I mean, most of our, you know, contacts are people we normally talk to then. Obviously, like, they're not in charge of this. So um, I would anticipate that they will hire a search firm and go through the process like they have, you know, the the past couple times. Um, Ren Baker's name is out there, obviously. I, the feeling I get from West Virginia is, is that's not very likely that Ren would come back and take this job i think laird beach at memphis still is, is certainly a candidate maybe the lead candidate I've, I've thrown a few others up on our message board this morning that just hey either names i've heard or names that make sense but i don't think this is gonna like get resolved here in the next few days i, I think this could stretch on a couple of weeks of the names that you've mentioned uh, on this show and, and uh at powermazoo.com is, is there one that you feel like I mean, not a home run, maybe one that you would feel like, yeah, this this would be a home run of a hire. I I mean, not really, because it, again, it, like look at Mac Rhodes. He was a really good AD at Houston. He's done a really good job at Baylor, and it was just a, a tire fire here, right? So I don't know what a good or bad hire is, to be quite honest. Um, it's all about the situation and and the particular time. So. There are a number of people who I'm sure could do a good job here. Um, they come in not – I mean, really the most pressing decision they would have to make right off the bat is do we fire the women's basketball coach, which, again, no disrespect to sports that aren't football and men's basketball, but like that's a, a pretty small pocket of fans who are going to feel passionately about that one way or the other. So it should, whoever comes in is not going to have to hire a football coach. 
We know they're not going to have to hire a basketball coach for a minimum of 12 months and probably longer than that, to be honest. So uh, there are a number of people who can do the job. I, I, I mean, anybody I'm advocating for is just like selfish reasons. I know Ren Baker. I got along with him. That'd be great. I, I know Sarah Baumgartner, who's the number two at Texas and used to be at Missouri uh, pretty well. That, I, I would I just advocate for somebody that I know well and would have a good relationship with, which absolutely doesn't matter at all for whether they could do the job or not. Hey, I got a very passionate email from a Mizzou fan uh, asking why we didn't talk, why we didn't mention Mark Allnut uh, when, when you were on earlier this week. And I know he's, he's a Buffalo and he, I mean, he hired Lance Leipold at Buffalo. And he hired Nate Oates at Buffalo. Those are, yeah. even even though Nate Oates like to push people around, that's a pretty two damn good hires. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, tremendous local ties. Is that is he is he? You get the feel he's in contention or no? Some people, you know, I've had a number of fans bring his name up to me. I, I just haven't gotten the sense there's the same level of support to bring Mark back as maybe there is with some other people that have had ties to Missouri. And that, that's not me trying to say anything negative about Mark. I've, I've always had a good relationship with him, too. I'd be I'd be great with that hire. I have kept in touch with Mark a little bit from time to time since he's left Missouri. Um, but I just, I, I just don't get the sense there's really a push for that. And I, I, I don't know why. That's just the, the sense I've gotten. Nate wants uh, Mizzou to hire John Curry because he thinks it would be fun to talk about. So I don't uh, not. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard that name a couple times this week, and nope. you know, it's I, the general consensus on that is I not all that enthusiastic. Right. Um, you know, he seems to have done a decent job at Wake, but he's just kind of one of these guys. He's been a lot of places and. I know most of the K-State people I know are, are not big fans. Right. Um, we all know it ended fantastically at Tennessee um, with, <laughs> with with Twitter refusing to accept his uh, head football coach well, and then ended up getting him sent out. So, yeah, you know, he's been around a long time. He has experience, but I don't think the reception for that would be great. Shane, a resident K-State fan, just uh, said in my ear, good luck with that one. So there's a... I, I can throw another name at you. He's got Missouri ties. You know, Jeff Long's daughter went to Mizzou. Turn his microphone off, Shane. Jeff Long, you? I mean. Could you push a button there and make him not talk? Uh, Gabe, thank you. Enjoy the AD search and let us know. Uh, I got more suggestions there. for you, Gabe. Yeah, just call me. Yeah. Go ahead. Call him. Okay. He'll be waiting for <laughs> Thank hey, you, Gabe. Hey, Nate, I'll just, it just, I'll just comp you an account. Just throw some names up there. Hey, yeah. I've, I've heard, you know, the ghost of Lou Perkins is in. Can I uh, hear me out? Can I say, can I, Al Bull. Can I, can I say something <laughs> about the message board that, you know, I think you just, you just said about Nate posting stuff? Oh, boy. Can I? You can. You, you know what I'm going to say, right? I don't. Did, did you see the, there's a thread started by someone impersonating Saran Petro? <laughs> about, oh, yeah. about, well, the, the about the AD part, search? The, the best part of that is that when that person posts, there's a decent number of people they on think the board it's every single time who believe it's Surin. Yeah. yeah, and he says <laughs> it such out- be more obvious. He that, says no. such outlandish things that you know, and he, right. he, he talks real bad about me. It's 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 actually funny. It's yeah. it's it's clearly a parody account. But like today, there's a post. You know, another name in the AD search you should listen to, and I just I like well, it. 
I'm telling you, Jeff Look, Long, I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to tell you, accountability and personal responsibility is what the Internet is all about. <laughs> Everyone is on there. Thank they are you. exactly who they say they yep. are. Right. Um, you know, like relationships have started on the Internet because nobody ever misrepresents who they are. Right. Or, or just the facts in general. So, right. Yeah. Right. 100%. Gabe, thank you very much. All right, guys. Have a good one. We're in. Little thread right there, nice picture of Saran. <laughs> <laughs> There's like people that just insist yeah. it's him. So it's yeah, <laughs> maybe it really is him. Saran, that better not be you. With everybody, quit you know? bad mouthing me. Yeah, uh, let's uh, now go to <laughs> Missy Hydrig. Wow. Oh, for Missouri, you can't find nothing. Wow. For K State, I was oh here's a K State soldier. Say that. Uh huh. He got his sponsorship. That's what matters, right? Hi, Missy. How you doing? Good morning. I'm well. I love listening, and I feel like talking about parody accounts on Twitter and AD searches is exactly what college athletics is all about these days. So I think you guys nailed it. So when I when I brought up John Curry, I got a smart-ass response from Shane Summers. you want to add anything in there? <laughs> well, I have a very different take on John. I actually worked for John. There you um, go, Shane. State. So um, I will come with it, come at you with a very different philosophy, but I, I have a, a, a pretty innate feeling. Um, I don't believe that John probably will leave Wake. A lot of people, I mean, I know his name comes up, but he is a Wake Forest alum, and um, they're back home in that part of the country. So I think that's probably a pretty solid place for him to continue his career. I'm paraphrasing here, but I believe Missy just said, hey, Shane, shut up. Yeah. So that's that's what I heard. <laughs> right. So tell so you what, what tell us about all the you've been busy broadcasting. Tell us about yeah. uh, your recent schedule. Well, it's um you know, I always look at uh, this time of year has been incredibly uh this is my busy time, so I spend a lot of space in women's basketball obviously. Um whether it's in the Big 12 and K-State games that I do over in Manhattan and other places and then um I'm very fortunate where I've had a chance to Branch out. I've been in the Ohio Valley and I've been in the Summit League on both the men's and the women's side. I was part of the uh, Summit League Big, Big Sky Challenge. I did the Oral Roberts Weaver State men's game back in January. I was up in South Dakota a couple weeks ago. Did one of the women's games on CBS Sports Network for um, for the Summit League. So just excited and March Madness is coming and there is never a downtime in February and March. Hey, before we get into K-State, uh, we've got to get your thoughts because you're talking about the women's game on Caitlin Clark. Uh, and the, we, we've had some conversations this week about the fact that she seems to be catching strays from coaches of other like powerhouse programs in women's basketball right now and former great players, and I don't really get it. I, I don't understand why anybody who champions the women's game would do anything but be happy about the fact that she's bringing so much you know attention to the sport and bringing new fans to the table and all that what are you what are your thoughts on all that um you know I would have to say I look at what Caitlin Clark has done um, and I I absolutely appreciate it from the perspective of everyone just assumes that these things sort of magically happen you don't go and break an NCAA scoring record without thousands and thousands of hours and years and years worth of work. That kid just didn't all of a sudden magically become a shooter or a scorer. The other part about Caitlin Clark's game that not as many people talk about are, are her assist numbers. She yep. has multiple triple-doubles, and it is because she shares the basketball. Her, this season is different. They're, that Iowa team is very different than what they were a year ago in terms of her ability to have other people to maybe distribute to. Um, but I applaud the fact that this is a young lady that's 
put her head down, done the work behind the scenes. Um, maybe not the most physically gifted athlete, but she has figured out a way to do it. And so um, how people want to go ahead and perceive that, to me, um, I don't know why. I, I wish I knew. Um, but from my perspective, I just applaud it because nobody really understands until you try to do it at that level how hard it is, and she's achieving it. Yeah, she 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 makes the really difficult look easy a lot of the time. Uh, all right, let, let's talk about K State um, on the men's side. They've they've they're going through a rough patch of of kind of heartbreaking type games. I mean, how big of a challenge is it for for Jerome Tang right now just to I guess keep keep the keep things rolling when you've suffered some some heartbreaking losses like they have. Well, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that they have. They did not have to go through this a year ago. We have to remember things were so much different, and it was incredibly easy to keep the momentum and the energy and the excitement not only in your locker room but with your fan base and all of those things. But I think the one thing people are encouraged about is this is a group of young men. They play incredibly hard. That's, that's the part you're, you cannot ever question. It's just they have not figured out a way to win games in close situations as of late. And it really comes down to two things for me, fellas. I look at it and think, all right, they're 12-3 and three at home. You lose to TCU on that last-second shot. You held TCU to 75 points. But I think it was a 20 to 2 run that the Horn Frogs went on in the second half. You turned it over 14 times and you go like one for 15 from three. So it's self inflicted wounds, turnovers, and the fact that you just cannot score the basketball. Turn around 48 hours later, you go to Texas, it's the same thing. I mean, watching that Texas game, I felt like they were stuck on 48, I think it was, or 49 for like the entire second half. And so it's just a matter of figuring out a way for this team to be more efficient offensively. They've got to, I feel like, run more sets. They need more screening action. Yes, you want the, hand, the ball in the hands of a kid like Tyler Perry so he can go downhill and create for himself, but that doesn't always work. You're going to have to find other ways to manufacture offense, and you got to take care of the basketball. And now they're going up against a very good BYU squad who's ranked 25th in the AP poll, I mean, they're 19 and 7. People say, well, they're just 7 and 6 in the Big 12. But yeah, they've already beat Kansas State once in Provo. And this is a really good BYU squad. And then on the women's side, K State's ranked number 10 in the country. We talk about star players. We've talked about Ioka Lee before. She's a record holder herself. It's the Sunflower Showdown coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, KU's having, they're not quite having the same year they did last year. They're 8-7 in the league. What kind of a matchup is this for K-State at Kansas this weekend in women's basketball? Well, I think it will be a great game. And it, what's interesting is the first time these two teams matched up in Manhattan last month, that was the first game of which Ioka Lee did not play. She was out with an ankle injury. And then about mid, early in the second quarter, Tiana Jackson, who is the Kansas's six-six um, post player, she got hit in the face and was out for the remainder of the game. So what you thought would have been a battle of the front court became absolutely a guard game, and Kansas State got out of there and really kind of luckily got away with a win at home. And I think it was a missed opportunity for KU. Since then, they've rebounded. You know, they had won, I believe, five in a row. They lost over um, this earlier in the week to Baylor. But I think this will be a matchup of, their, of premier post players in the Big 12. When you look at Lee and you look at Jackson. And they have two very different types of games. And 
ultimately then it's going to be who can take care of the basketball, who can get the ball to their post, and who maybe shoots well. I would expect probably a pretty darn good crowd. I think it has a lot of storylines to it. Um, Kansas, I believe, they still control their destiny as they're looking forward to the, to the NCAA tournament. The projections are talking about six teams from the Big 12 on the women's side. They're on the outside looking in. The bubble is not real firm. It's pretty soft, and they've got to take care of their own business. Kansas State themselves trying to stay in that top 16 so that they can host first and second round at home. They came out in the first round of the 16 reveal by the committee. They were number 13, trying to move back up a little bit, see if you can't get up in that upper level of the fours or maybe the three seed. Um, but, again, everybody controls their destiny. So much basketball left to be played on both sides in the men's and women's. Missy, as always, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. You do the same thing. That's uh, Missy Heydrich talking K-State basketball. Now we will talk to, uh, regardless of whatever Jake says, we'll talk to uh, Nick Springer. Texas. Nick, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, fellas. I'm glad you guys are better, man. I know you probably were focused on the Chiefs, but uh, it's nice to be back. You know what? Hey, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're transitioning back into basketball and baseball and the euphoria of uh, the Super Bowl is still with us. But you know what? we got a, uh, an interesting race down the stretch uh, between Houston and Iowa State and uh, and a whole bunch of other teams chasing them, including Kansas. And so uh, perhaps if things go well, Houston could lose at Baylor. I don't think Iowa State will lose, but Houston's on top, so they could bring him back a uh, game back to everyone else. Uh, and then uh, Kansas get a cha- gets a chance to host Texas. So let's just start there. Uh, what about this matchup between Kansas and the Longhorns? Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting matchup because Texas. I don't think there's any denying that they are a very very talented team. And we look at Kansas with Bill Self coming out yesterday and talking about the possibility of Kevin McCord not being able to play in this game. That's obviously a huge blow for KU uh, because of you know he, him coming back into Oklahoma. You know, I found it interesting. KU made some adjustments on defense in the second half against Oklahoma that I don't know if they would have made those adjustments if Kevin McCoy wasn't playing, because I'm not sure if the coaching staff would have had the confidence to make those adjustments and trusted in Nick Timberlake or Marco Jackson to execute them on the court. So when you consider possibly the possibility of Kevin McCoy in this game for Kansas against Texas, that's huge. I mean, he's, he's you know, one of the leading scorers in the conference and has been really good for, for KU and continuing to battle that knee injury. And for Texas, they've got some guys down low that can battle with Hunter Dickinson. And I think when I looked, at, when I looked across the Big 12 and you try to find teams that have quality centers that can really deal with Hunter Dickinson, Texas is one of those teams that you come back to with guys like Dylan DeSue, who's been really, really strong in conference play uh, after dealing with injury earlier in the season. So that's certainly going to be a message to watch. And I think the issue for Kansas here is Texas right now, I mean, they're a team that can easily play themselves out of the NCAA tournament. I think if you look at bracketology, they're usually in the 8-9 range. So that's definitely in the bubble range for Texas. And a win like this for the Longhorns, I think, maybe could solidify them into the tournament. So you expect them to come in hungry in this game. And for, for KU, I think it's just going to be a matter of, especially Ken McLaurin, not playing or being very limited. I think for KU, it'll just be about leaning on Allen Fieldhouse. So that's kind of what they've done in a lot of games this season, just leaning on that home court advantage. Uh, to, to help them get a victory because I expect Texas to come in as a hungry team. Uh, like I said, they have a lot of talent, right? This is not a team that you can overlook at KU at all. So uh, it, it could get interesting, I think, potentially in the second half of Allen Fieldhouse, especially uh, Kevin Nicole is unable to play. 
Do we think this is a situation where if McCuller just gets a little bit of time to rest this thing, he can be back to – because I didn't think he looked right in the Oklahoma game. He gutted his way through it and helped the team win. Is this going to be a problem the rest of the year, or is this the kind of thing where if they just can buy some time and rest him a little bit, he could be back to being Kevin McCuller? Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, Bill Self on Monday on Hot Talk said that Kevin McCuller did retweet the injury, whatever the bone breeze you want to call it, against Oklahoma. And I went back and watched that game, and you could see signs of him coming up dippy throughout the game, kind of like you alluded to. And the problem, I think, for, for, for Kansas is if, if you were going to try to rest up Kevin McCuller to really make sure he's 100%, the time to do it would have been sitting in for the Oklahoma game, right? Because that would have given him basically almost three weeks off from the last time he played and you would have this whole week to build up to this Texas game and into this final push. Because looking ahead now, Kansas has two games a week every single week the rest of the season you're going to the NCAA tournament. And then you factor in with the Big 12 tournament, you're going to be playing probably at least two, maybe more games consecutively. Uh, so it's it's really tough to say. Bill Self, again, on, on, on Hot Talk said that this could be something Kevin McCullough deals with for, us, for the rest of the season, which is really, really tough to hear because I think when you look at Kevin McCullough's box score stats, you can almost kind of draw a line where maybe his injury occurred because his efficiency went way down, his three-point shooting went way down. So the bigger issue for Kansas is even if Kevin McCullough is able to cut through and play some games, you know, maybe at 70 80%, he's definitely not going to be as effective as he was earlier in the season. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, but, again, I think the bigger problem for KU is if you were going to try to rest him up, it would probably would have been this past week to do it. But, again, circling back to the Oklahoma game, Joseph said post game, if Kevin McCoy doesn't play, KU probably doesn't win. And I'm hard-pressed to disagree with him because Kansas really makes some adjustments that I don't know that they would have made uh, if Kevin McCoy was, was not playing because I don't know that they would have fully trusted what they have on their bench. Uh, but now, of course, that puts them in a tough situation where Kevin McCoy might not be able to play against Texas and you're going to have to rely on that bench. So, it's, it's tough to say. I, I definitely have a lot of concerns about it because I think it's, it's pretty clear at this point that for Kevin, if he's going to maybe gut through a game, if he plays, you're basically saying, okay, he might be sidelined for uh, the next game, the game after that, right? And when you think about the NCAA tournament, if you're trying to make a deep run, that could be very difficult to do if you're saying, hey, we need to play Kevin in this game, but he that might impact him being available for our next game, but, you know, if you lose, obviously you're out. So it's, it's really, I think, between a rock and a hard place right now uh, in dealing with this injury with Kevin. Yeah, I guess that's why I wonder if they can, if they think the thing can heal if they just rest him. Because now you're you're making a gamble here if you do this. But the, the counter argument to what you said about the right time to rest him would be, well, at least Texas is a beatable team at home, so you got a chance to. You might not need Kevin McCuller. I say might not because I understand what a drop off it is when they lose him. But maybe you can win that Texas and BYU game at home because you're at home. Uh, but you're going to need him at Baylor, or maybe even say, look. This might not be our year to win the league, but if we can have a healthy Kevin McCuller going into the pl- to the to the postseason to the tournament where he can play on back to back, or you know, two days, you know, three two days, two games in three days, repetitively in the tournament, maybe you have to bite that bullet and do it. I, I don't I don't know, but I mean that's, I guess that all comes down to the nature of the injury and if they think it can really heal or if this is just the kind of thing they have to manage the rest of the way. In the short term, what does the rotation look like, in your opinion? Who has to really step up uh, if McCuller can't go? Well, you immediately circle Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake as those two guards coming off the bench for Kansas. And, you know, Jamari McDowell is, is an interesting player as well because the the time with Kevin McCuller not being able to play for Kansas, uh, you go back to like the Texas Tech game and the Oklahoma State game, 
that coincided with Jamar McDowell having the flu, which I think was just really unfortunate timing because those were games where McDowell might have had a chance to play a little bit more and maybe earn his way into rotation, but he had the flu. So it, even, it made a shorthanded Kansas City even more shorthanded. And that's really the issue as well. Is, you know, the Steve Kimmel has nine scholarship players. So if you lose Kevin McCuller, it all really falls on the shoulders of either Mark or Jackson and the Timberlake kind of together uh, to fill in that void. And both those guys have certainly had their struggles. Both of them have had a few bright spots here and there. But, but I think kind of to your point, you know, you get to kind of a point where it's almost additional by subtraction if you say, hey, is a 70% Kevin McCuller better than whatever we're going to get from Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake? So that, and I think the other crux of the issue here is, when have you guys ever known Bill Self to, to, to give up on something or to, or to basically not go all off to win every game you play? Right. So even though it's, even though it's an outside shot of Kansas to win the Big 12 title, they're still in it. And if they're still in it, you, know, you get the sense Bill Self is going to push every button he can to try to get that, to try to put them in a position to still win it. So that's the other issue. I think there's definitely some give and take there. I don't know. And Bill Self, you know, he has openly kind of talked about the idea of, hey, you know, we're just trying to play our best basketball in March to maybe signify that he, Maybe potentially in a position where, hey, you know what, maybe this is what's best for the team. But I never known him to do that. Obviously, I've always known him to say, hey, we're going to try to win every game we play in front of us. So it, it's really a difficult spot to be put in because, you know, with El Marco and the Timberlake, you know, Timberlake's the guy that was a 40% three point shooter and he's not even shooting 30% right now from three uh, from the side of Townsend. So that's certainly a, a big negative. And El Marco Jackson is a guy that the game just looks too fast for a lot of times still. Uh, and it just hasn't fully clicked for him, and and uh, it, it would be a big problem. I think if Kevin McCuller can't play, regardless of the opponent, regardless of the venue. You know, I understand Alan Phillips has been great for Kansas, but I I have a lot of concerns. You know, they were able to beat Oklahoma State without him, but that was Oklahoma State at the time when they seemed to be imploding. So uh, I'm I'm very curious to see whether or not he is able to go, and if if what his how if he's limited at all as well uh, in the game against Texas. Nick, we appreciate your time, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. Hey, appreciate you uh, as always. That was the that was a, a border patrol fast break. The uh, uh, Shane Summers edition. I uh, found it. You want me to just keep playing that every yeah, time? Sure. Why not? We'll to talk about that sixty-one yard field goal. No, was it sixty-two? There you go. How you feeling now? Like riding a bike? Sure. Huh? I guess I didn't forget too much. Yeah. Other than how to play music, right? Yeah. You know. I mean, you're not going like, to like, like, be perfect. Don't change anything. I'm like, uh, Where's Lebo at? He is taking his wife to the doctor. This is a busy day. It's a weird day, isn't it? It is. Get me in return. Nate's leaving early. So. I mean, what, Nate? Some would say he never showed up, but. Huh? Never. Hello? When do you when do you think Todd's going to be in? I have no idea. I'm sure like don't doctors open like right now, so I don't think it's like he's going to be here like just doctors roll. open. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends the on the kind of on. doctor. I was going to drag Lebo in here at nine thirty to help me get to, to the end of my voice gives out, but maybe you're going to be co-hosting. Here. Yeah, maybe just whoever I could find in the hallway. Hey, there was new uh, Superman pictures. Yes, we can talk about that at nine thirty. Nude Superman pictures? New oh, wow. Superman pictures. Who's, who's, very who's, who's Superman going to be? I don't who, know. It's a new guy. I don't know what he's from. Uh, Christopher Reeve, Superman. I don't know what he is. The lady from The Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is Lois Lane. Okay. I can't remember her name. Uh, 
like Abigail Brewston or something. I can't remember. Okay, but who? So you don't know who Superman is? He's like in a, a little little known actor. Who's, who's going to be the 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 villain of the movie? I saw it's he's in stuff. <laughs> Let me look. At no, that. but what character? Who's oh, it's Lex Luthor. Oh, it is going to be Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. Google, see, that's James the key, Gunn's though. In charge of this. That's the so. key. It'll be better. But see, you, it, it's, and, and, and yes, I'm stubborn, right? But I, Christopher Reeve will always be Superman. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And Just Gene like Hackman will always be Lex Luthor. Michael Keaton's always Batman to me, so I get it. I love Michael Keaton. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Kim Basinger. <sighs> hey, Nate, what is Superman and Batman, DC or Marvel? DC. Good job. You're learning. Because they're, they're the not good ones. Wow. Yeah, you're not wrong on that either. <laughs> Damn. All right, then. On that note, we'll take a break. Back into this on WHB. You didn't tell me Millie Alcock's supposed to be in this movie from House of the Dragon. Never seen it. Sorry. I'm in now. Never seen it. What do you think? I'm some kind of nerd? Yes. So am I. Why don't you introduce our next guest, Nate B. Katie? He's the, uh, he's the goalkeeper for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and just an all-around swell guy, Tim Melia, uh, joins us at Sporting Kansas City, get ready to open up their 2024 season this weekend. What's up, Tim? How are you, man? I'm good. Anytime I get to talk to you in the morning, I'm starting my day off right. Right? Wow. I mean, that's how Stephen feels, right? Wow. Is that is that you sure. that line up with you, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Sure. <laughs> Do you feel like a lucky guy because you got to see me face-to-face yesterday and then you get to talk to me again this morning? And I got to see you at the jersey unveiling, so three yeah. days in a row, starting off the season correctly. What did he call it? Jersey unveiling. You mocked me when that's what I called it. He calls it everything's fine. He says jersey unveiling. I called it a whatever. kit launch, and you said, what does that mean? Well, I could know. I said a lot of people won't know what you're talking about because right. you're up on your tower like an elitist. <laughs> Timelia is an everyman and speaks to people on their level, and then the, it's fine. I do it, yeah. and you make fun of me. Yeah. Thank you very much, Timelia, for proving me right. You're the right you're kind welcome. of guy for this job right here. Go ahead, Nate. I would never mock a man of Tim Melia's size to his face. No. Uh, <laughs> and what do you think of the new the new kit, the new jersey uh, that they put out with the Argyle, the, the dark blue with the Argyle? I like our field jerseys a lot. I think, I think actually across the entire league, all the jerseys this year are, are cool. They're different. They're clean. They're simple. Not a huge fan of the goalie jerseys. A little too busy for me, but um, I like the team jerseys. So when you say too busy – uh, the color, like, because the color's pretty pretty loud, too. I, if I remember correctly, I saw you in it on uh, whatever that night that was, Tuesday night. Is it the color, or is it just the, the patterns all over it? It's the patterns. For me, I would just, I think it would be simple if you had just, you know, a white, a green, a black, a blue, whatever it is. It's kind of a little bit more solid, but that's, that's more my style. I understand it's got to be incredibly difficult to come up with something different every year. There's not a million different things you can do, so I get how they get a little more abstract with the patterns and things like that. So uh, we're visiting with Tim Melia, and uh, we had the we had the the jersey unveiling on uh, on Tuesday. They spoke to the media yesterday. You got a little you you bristled a little bit. So I think it was PJ Green. You know, PJ likes to get under people's skin, Stephen, at these. Uh, at some of these pressers and everything. Hope you're listening to PJ he, and what he yeah, just said. PJ, he, we talked about it yesterday. He, he, what did he say to you? Something about like this stage in your career, and you were like, "Yeah, he's what? trying to put a put an end date on me here." Wow. 
Put an expiration date on me already. What? Uh, hey, goalkeepers! Goalkeepers can play for a long time, man. Uh, so what? What? Where are you at? The, what? What is this stage in your career? In all seriousness, as you look at it, how you feel like you got quite a bit of time left? I feel like in the position of a goalkeeper, so much of it is you know reading the game, being efficient with movements, which is something that comes just later. You know, do I have the athleticism that I had at 21, 22? Am I, you know, eagerly bouncing around, doing a million different things at training? No, of course not, and I shouldn't be. So I think you find this balance as you get older, especially in the goalkeeper position, where you become way more efficient, but maybe you aren't as, you know, trying to be as explosive as you used to be. So I think that's why you see, you know, goalkeepers in the latter points of their career just doing things a lot smoother and cleaner and not having to kind of throw themselves around as much. When it comes to uh, either training or nutrition or anything you do to take care of your body in the off season, what, 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 what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself at the beginning of your career that maybe you've unlocked that, that's helped your longevity and, and, and helped you uh, as you've gone along in your career? Yeah, I, I wish I can go back, and it's something I always say to the younger goalies here is, is slow down. You know, I used to go to training because you're, you're trying to make it, right? You're trying to prove yourself that you can have a professional career. So I would go to training. I would go home. I'd sit down for an hour, and I'd go to the gym, and I'd be running. I'd be doing power lifting. I'd be doing footwork stuff. I'd be sitting in, like, a racquetball court, bouncing a ball off the wall, and I think – a lot of that, those things led to, you know, success on the field, and, and it's a very, very important mentality. But I think I, I wish I had controlled it a little bit earlier, and it would just kind of put me in a better spot as I got older. Man, that's tough, though, because, I mean, those of us that know your story, um, you know, you were not some, you know, first-round draft pick that was uh, anointed the next star. You had to really fight your way for a long time to get the opportunity to be the number one keeper at the MLS level, and you've taken advantage of it. I mean, if you hadn't done all those things, do you, I mean, maybe you don't get there. You know, that's that's a hard balance, isn't it, as a young player that's trying to trying to make your way? Yeah, and, and you're 100% correct. So maybe I wasn't as talented, but I feel like now the goalies that are coming up, they, they bring, you know, 17, 16, 15-year-olds sometimes into our training environment, and they are so far ahead of where I was technically, tactically, and everything. So I don't think they have as much of a gap to close as I did. I think I needed to do all those things. As I needed to close a bigger gap. But I think when they're more in these professional environments earlier and they understand how to train, how to have correct technique, and they just have better coaches earlier on, they don't need to be slamming their body around like I did for 15 years to make sure that I made it. So I know you've had to answer this question a bunch of times, but you've been described as a, as a, as a freak, as a cheat code when it comes to penalty kicks. And our normal producer, who's not here today, Jake, uh, you know, played at Division One level as a goalkeeper, and he just—it's it, fun to hear him talk about you because he just marvels at what you do and tries to make the point of how how unbelievably difficult it is. So when someone asks you why you're so good at it, what do you say? How do you explain it? I don't explain it all that well. Nate, Nate's probably sitting there laughing. <laughs> um, I always just say kind of the same thing combination of a lot of things it's a combination of a lot of work off the field a lot of studying that goes into it it's a combination of you know 
where are you at what point if it's a game if it's within a game penalty within a game or what's the score what type of shooter is approaching you know where are we in the season are we in a in a place where our team's got a ton of momentum all those things play into penalties and then it just kind of becomes a cat and mouse game and i've also been surrounded by people that in these shootouts i we've had great shooters which puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the shooters going against me so it's it's not one thing it's a combination of a million different things that have led me to have success in penalties how much of it is it you think is is now your reputation and the psychological aspect of it where guys go up against you and it's in their head that you're so good it's almost like when you know you used to you know, the example I always use when you used to watch Tyson fight and you watch guys walk to the ring they were they were, they were beat before they even stepped through the ropes and you know when when guys go up against you against penalty kicks that's got to be on their mind that they're going up against the best and uh, what what percent of it do you think is psychological I think I think it's huge and I think a penalty if you think about the the concept of taking a penalty is fairly simple it it should be one that you know a shooter has a very high success rate but then that also plays into the massive psychological aspect of it as you spoke that they should score right but then when they're not scoring and the person before them doesn't score it just it just creates more and more pressure, and then people start to change things. And then when people start to change things in those environments that aren't trained a ton, you know, errors start to happen. If, so if Nate had ten chances against you, because he I don't know, really, he I would love he to do really that. Really oh, likes man, to talk to about that. his yeah. prowess yeah. on the pitch, <laughs> and so I'm just I mean ten of them. What I do you What do you think? Get some wagers going. And then just get the cleats on and, and roll the ball out there and see what happens. Nate, what could you give? Like, you get ten shots. What do you? I think I make four out of ten you're, against you're him. Crazy. Um, I gotta see him shoot a ball. I gotta see him kick a soccer ball first, and then yeah, I'll make my. To be honest, that's a, yeah. that's an insult to Tim. What you just well, said, I because I think part of it is Tim won't be as dialed up to face a chump like me. Oh, as I think he, he might be. When he's facing, no, maybe more dialed. Yeah, maybe yeah, we'll, we'll get you dialed up. But uh, for for the record, four out of ten is a terrible return. You're supposed to convert about eighty percent, I believe, of your penalties as a kicker. Uh, so I'm I'm saying I would be you know less than half. I would be half uh-huh. of that, uh, which is. To, but I think that is still kind of ridiculously optimistic on my part. Yes. Here, here's so you know Tim Steve Stephen is a is a big boxing guy. Grew up boxing. He understands it. So I I I like the analogies when I can make them to to the sport that he loves the most. Um, what I find amazing about Tim, and I've watched a lot of his penalties, most of the ones he's saved, I've probably seen all of them since he's been in a Sporting KC shirt, jersey. Um, we always use the term in soccer that the goalkeeper has to guess. He's guessing, did he guess the right way? Because you almost don't have the time to react once the guy kicks the ball to uh, which way he's going to go. And I don't like the term guess because when I watch Tim, it's too consistent how he picks the right way. And I'm curious, Stephen, what your thoughts are on this because you talk a lot about boxers that maybe telegraph their punches. And a, and a good fighter will figure out, oh, I can, I know he's going to throw his left hand if he does this, or I know that a certain combination's coming because he does this. But I also think there – and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, Stephen. Are there certain boxers – who they can take all the data because right you get all the coaching ahead of time. Tim always Tim always for appropriately gives Alec Dufty, who's a great coach, uh, credit because he gives him all this information ahead of time. Hey, this guy goes to this side more often than. But you know what? All the other co- goalkeepers have that information too. But it, is is there something to a boxer that can that can size it up himself 
And and like you talk about sometimes a boxer taking in data and he figures out, okay, this guy, I know which way he's going because I read something myself. I don't think Tim wants to give that information to me, but I feel like that is that something that happens in boxing? Three fighters, three of the best fighters I've ever seen in my life. Floyd Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez, Terrence Crawford. They take two or three rounds to gather all that information and then you'll see you'll see it click. Once it's clicked, once they it's over. But that you're talking about the elite of the yeah. elite. Others rely heavily on their trainer to see it. Right. And sometimes you're in the middle of you're in, you know, you're in the heat of the battle. You don't see those things, and a great trainer will point those things out to you. But the best of the best taking that information, and it's it's that's why I love watching it. You see when it clicks, like oh, it's over for the other guy. And I feel like Tim will never acknowledge this because he's he's always going to try to get him to give away his secrets. He's going to give away. credit to everybody else. But how much of it is the preparation you go going into it? And how much of it is you with your instincts and seeing this guy and knowing this guy and making your own decision at that time? I think you, put, you nailed it on the head there. You know, we all have the same information, but it's what do you do with that information? And I think you can look at that across, you know, all sports. You know, we all watch the same film. We all watch the same tactics, whether we're looking at breaking down a team. But, you know, how is your ability to take in that information and calculate it and use it efficiently? All right, fi- finally, Tim, you're getting ready for the season. You start off at Houston. That's where things ended last year. And obviously I know that uh, the team feels like the way this season ended last year, you're ready to get back and prove that you can do that for the course of the season. How excited are you for the start of this year? What are you most excited about as you get started this year for the whole team? I'm most excited that we're getting the opportunity to go back into Houston. Um, I think that we kind of fell short a little bit in that game uh, for you know a couple different reasons, but to get the opportunity to play against a team that knocked us out at a point where we were really starting to gain momentum and really starting to kind of figure things out, I think is an excellent opportunity for us to start the year because it should be you don't need any extra added incentive the first game of the season because you're excited, you're fresh, new opportunities, new challenges, all all the reasons that we play professional sports. But to kind of go get that rubber match, I think it's just like a little added incentive. 7.30 on Saturday, Houston hosting Sporting Kansas City for their season opener. They got their home opener the next weekend. You can watch those games on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV, Stephen, and you can listen to it right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as well. Tim, thank you so much for the time, man, and good luck on Saturday. Thank you very much, guys. Speak to you soon. He seemed willing for the you know, the challenge between you and him, best of ten. I'm, I'm up for it. I feel like that's there? a. I wish Jake was here to answer your four out of ten. Look, I've scored prediction. goals against Jake in media games before. So is that you know. Team Melia in a penalty? No, it's kick situation look, or no. I would welcome this challenge because I feel like it's one of the rare athletic challenges I could do at this stage of she my life without out loud, getting hurt. Away. <laughs> what do you I like think? You're like, well, forty percent. He's Hero. a professional, yeah. and you're this guy. Oh, wow. I love you, Nate. Damn. Well, let's see. You know, let's see. We, you guys can set the over-under and see if I can uh, how I can perform. We'll I would love to the, do it. Let's figure this out. In the dude, it, it's crazy. It, it's in. crazy. You watch him and, like, watch him in training. And I, I I said this one time last year. So the team will practice penalties when they're getting ready for a playoff game because they know it's a possibility that everybody could have to shoot a penalty. And I've said this. I would not let them – I would not let my guys – practice against him because i think it would ruin your confidence because he like he blocks their penalties in training 
You know, so it's like I don't want my guy missing penalties. You're gonna roll in there and, and I know. hit four ten. Yeah, ruin other people's confidence. Less than fifty percent, man. That's that is. But th- Nate's. Hey, I think that psychologically, you. I think you might melt under that pressure. I think that psychologically, I got more than you think. Really? Yeah. You have to worry about me. Worry about Amelia. It's insulting to him when he came on the show as a guest. I'm a wild card. He's used to trying to block are penalties you? from. Is he's used to are? trying to block penalties. It's like when the guy, the newbie, walks up I, to the I poker table and you don't know what he's going to do because he has no idea what the rules are. He's expecting to stop good penalties from from professionals. He has no idea where mine's going. So what your else? advantage is that you're not good. Yeah. And he has no idea. <laughs> yeah. How he has bad no idea where I'm going with it. So you're going to make forty you know? percent. I'm a complete wild card to him. Four out of ten. Is Jake off the grid? I'm trying to get him to call into the show real quick. I don't we'll know. We'll take a break. Back after this on WHB. Oh, I like this song, Fiona Apple Criminal. You know what this is? You know what this is? That was a heck of a music video back this in the day. You, you couldn't see it until this like 10 the, o'clock at night. The kids are gone. Susan St. John refuses to look at me, and I turn this song on loud, and she still refuses to look at me, but still. Yeah. Kansas City. This is Nate's music. kind of a delicate man. This is music for lovers. Are you a lover? Well, if you are, turn this song on. We're going to listen to this for the next minute or so, so enjoy yourself right here on Sports Radio 8. Uh, just shut it off. Thanks. <laughs> he got a break. There it is. We'll be back after this on WHB.